Good afternoon, morning, whenever you view this, I guess. Good wherever you are. We're here for the podcast. Uh, James Taylor is with me. And today we are going to be talking about... James, what are we going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about faith conversations between uh, people that are not Christians and what they expect out of those conversations. That's a good topic because, unfortunately, we as Christians aren't doing so well at giving people what they want from these conversations, as we'll see. So the first stat I want to share with you and get your thoughts on, for for most believers, actually, or I should say unbelievers, sorry, more than 6 in 10 non-Christians, 62%, say they would be open to talking about faith matters with someone who listens without judgment, which listening without judgment is the top quality non-Christians value, but only one-third of non-Christians say they actually know Christians who would listen without judgment. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that brings me um, to a point where I think that has a lot to do with our relationships with people. Mm. Um, Do they know us ahead of time that we care about them? Do they know that we're not judging them right away on the conversation? Do they think we have an agenda in this conversation? Do we really care about them, and they know that we're not judging them. Yeah, uh, I think those are all absolutely valid. You know, it's what what do they think how, of us and how we approach the relationship? Do we view them as just kind of a checklist to tick off that we're being good Christians, or do they view our relationship as one that we actually care about, where we care about them as a person beyond, all right, can I just, you know, put another mark in my Bible of somebody else I converted? And kind of the follow-up to those is it goes on to talk about what else they want from conversations, and one of the ones is it says they non-Christians want Christians to demonstrate interest in other people's stories. 30%, a third of non-Christians want Christians to demonstrate interest in their stories. But when they ask those non-Christians, okay, how many Christians do you know like that? They said "Eh, only about 17% knew a Christian who was interested in them. I was very guilty of this, and and I still Mm -hmm. am to some point. Uh, I'm, I'm getting better at it as I mature and and grow up, uh, even though I'm uh, 30 now, but I was that same person uh, who I didn't really care so much about their story. Mm. I didn't really care um, about what what their background was, what the situation was uh, that led to the circumstances of, of their story. I just wanted them to not just confess Christianity, uh, but also... I wanted them to act like a very mm. mature Christian right away. Also, I didn't care about their story. I didn't care what their addictions habits were. So what I never changed really for you? Uh, I think what really changed is when I realized that I'm no better than them, mm. that my view uh, of God changed. I realized that I'm just as bad as every other person. Uh, yeah. And in, in Romans, it says that, no matter how righteous I think I am, the most righteous I could ever be is still like filthy rags. So I think when my perspective changed of who God was and who I was, it allowed me to um, see people differently also. I seen them as equals that like, hey, like I, I know where you're coming from. I know the story that you have. Um, and it allows me to 
take it all in. Let, yeah. Let's hear what has happened. Let's see where God can take you. Uh, yeah. So it, it's all about, I think, our perspective of ourselves and God. Oh, absolutely. I love that you tied it back to our perspective of God. Um, because I think sometimes we want to be selfish with God, right? Like we're like, oh, I found God. I want to keep God for me because I'm somehow better than you. And when we look at, you know, a couple different places in the New Testament, it talks about that God's will is that none should perish, but all should come to faith in him. And so I wonder, is that same desire, I mean, could you say that Sam's will is that none should perish, but all should come to faith in God? Or are there people that I'm tempted to write off? Um, You know, anecdotally, I was involved with a ministry in a previous city that I lived in, and we were talking to a group of Christians about, you know, witnessing and, and talking to different people. And the one guy flat out said, he was like, oh, yeah, but there, there are just some people who are beyond saving. And that was really, that was, that kind of put the room quiet for a bit. Because I think the initial reaction is to say, wow, that's a terrible attitude. And don't get me wrong. I think, I think that's a very dangerous attitude to have. But I think like you said earlier, we're all guilty of that at different times to varying degrees. I know there have been times where I've looked at people in my life and I've written them off. Like, you know what, man, I'm just done with this conversation. There's no hope for you. And that's tragic because what that translates to is me saying that, you know what, you're somebody that God can't change. And so not only am I discounting the value of that person, but now I'm discounting the power of who God is. Wow. Yeah. It, we have to have a different perspective on ourselves and, and God um, because I think sometimes we put ourselves in that. Uh, place of God, really, when we begin to judge people um, mm. and actually condemn th- condemn them, yeah. um, like you were saying, like say they're not worth they're not w- worth investing in or mm-hmm. or forgiving, uh, or even thinking that maybe at some point um, they could come to faith in Jesus. God doesn't see it that way. No, uh, He says that we're. He even gives the example of forgiving people seventy times, seven times, and uh, His love is a lot different than ours. Absolutely, and and I'm grateful that his love is a lot different than ours. I mean, what a blessing that his love is not as stunted and and immature as our love can be. Um, And so all that ties back to that if we could just approach these conversations with non-Christians with a genuine interest, they're open to talking to us. If we could learn to talk to them and truly care about them, if we could learn to talk to them and pay attention to their answers and listen without judging, they want to have these conversations. They're open to these conversations. Um, And then the last thing that you and I were talking about a little bit briefly before this, I thought this was very interesting. Uh, Of the non-Christians who are open to a conversation about faith, one of the things they said they want from it is they want the Christian that they're talking to to be good at asking questions. About a third of non-Christians want that. But then they also said... Only about 16% knew Christians who were good at asking questions. What do you think drives that? Do you think that goes back to we're not interested in them, so we don't care to ask questions, or we don't know the questions to ask? Part of it has to be that we don't know the questions, or maybe uh, we try different routes uh, mm. of trying to present Jesus to people. Uh, for a long time, I I felt like if I would just live a certain way and people would witness it, that would be enough. But it does require us to talk about it too. Mm. Uh, requires us to have conversations with people, 
And I think there's um, a little bit in all of us that feels like people don't want to talk about faith. Like mm-hmm. it's it's a topic they don't want to bring up, kind of like politics. Oh yeah, it's a, you don't talk about faith, finances, right. and politics, right? Like those are the. But taboo. what we're finding is that's not the case. That mm-hmm. there are a lot of people, actually, a majority of people are open to discussing this, but we've blocked ourselves off from it, and maybe that's part of the reason we don't know the questions to ask or even even engage in those conversations. And another thing that uh, they've found is that it doesn't require us to know every answer. Mm. We don't have to have an answer for every question they have. There's going to be some questions that, well, one, we just won't ever know until we get to heaven. Absolutely. But then there's some, you know, we're not perfect. We're not, uh, we're not all. Again, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm not the smartest guy. It takes me a long time to figure something out. And what, but once I figure it out, I've got it. It's in there. It's, it's in there. <laughs> it's in trying. You get that concrete. So it, it takes a long time for me to get to that point where I'm able to have a good conversation, a really deep conversation, and I know every answer. It's very rare for that to happen. Yeah. Every time That's we've not what talked, they're looking for, though. You've known every answer every time I've ever asked you, you anything. Lie. You lie. You know what a turkin is. <laughs> <laughs> Naked neck bird. No one else will get that. I apologize. but You can look it up. Turkin. Turkin. It's a real thing. I know what it is. There you go. See, he knows everything. But yeah, back to back to the questions. I think um, one of the best things I learned when I was taught about engaging with people and, and just talking to them and building the relationships is that everybody has some element of pain in their lives. And I think if we forget that, we don't look at them with compassion. But I also think that we don't realize a lot of what we believe and what we practice is born from the pain in our lives, especially for non-Christians, right? Um, I think of the pain in my life that has happened at different points. And because I know who God is and I've got a relationship with him, I'm able to process that pain differently than someone who might think there is no hope. And so a lot of times I think good questions to ask are just trying to find out what that pain is in their lives, right? We need to remember that People don't just arbitrarily wake up one day and say, yeah, I'm going to be an atheist today. Um, Maybe something happened, right? Maybe there was somebody who was sick in their family that they prayed for and God didn't heal them. And so the pain of that led to God can't be real. And so I think when they say that they want to be asked good questions, it means they want to be asked questions that are truly designed to get to know them better, right? Not like leading questions like, well, tell me how all, all the ways you're a sinner today, like, yeah. That's not a good like, question. Let's run through the Ten Commandments. Let's see right. how many of you've committed. I hate that. I was at a camp one time where a speaker had everybody stand up, or everybody was sitting to start, and he said, okay, we're going to go through the Ten Commandments, and when we get to one that I, you've broken, stand up. And the purpose of it was to show that everybody's the same. But are you kidding me how awkward that is, right? Like, <laughs> what high school kid is going to be comfortable standing up when it says, you know, you shall not commit adultery? And he explained, he was like, an adultery includes lust. You name one high school boy who's going to stand up in front of 500 of his peers and be like, yeah, it's me. Right? Like, right. That's a terrible question to ask. Um, and so I think we need to learn what are the questions that show we truly care. And that's going to be, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. Tell me about you know, your job. What, what's going on with your life? And I think it has to be questions that go back to the very first thing we talked about without judgment. We can't judge them based on their answers, right? So if you say to me, yeah, there's no God, and I say, interesting, you know, can you mind telling me why you believe that? And whatever answer you give, I can't sit there and be like, that's a terrible answer. Let me tell you why. 
that's not that's not how the conversation needs to go, right? I think one of the things that interested me so much as a young Christian and a high school student, even into college, was apologetics. Mm. It was the studying that I would have every answer for those types of questions. Let's, I will spend 30 minutes with you discussing why God is real. I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. It, it didn't produce much. No. Nothing real, at least. They may, maybe they got tired of me talking and just said, okay, you win. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> Whatever but, will get this guy off my front yeah, porch. It, it, the, my whole way of living um, a Christian life has changed from 15 years ago, mm. 10 years ago. It's no, I'm no longer trying to be right about everything, and I don't want to put on this facade that I'm perfect mm. because it's all fake. It's ah. all fake. I think a lot of people struggle to relate to the church and connect to the church because they feel like they don't see authenticity, right? Um, you know, like Christians don't talk about what they fear. And I mean, you know what I'm getting at, right? Like I, I believe in perfect love that casts out fear. But we can't deny the very real emotions of fear or anxiety, right? Like you and I have talked about, you're a father, I'm not a father, I don't have kids yet. One day, my wife and I have talked about it, but there are things about that that freak me out, right? And it does nobody any benefit if I walk around pretending like I have zero concerns about being a dad one day, because how is somebody supposed to relate to that, right? And so I think if Christians were willing to be more transparent about their imperfections, I think that would go a long way towards bridging that gap of disconnect in these conversations. Right. I agree. It, I think it all comes down to our our perception of ourselves and God. Mm. We have to realize that he saved us too. Yeah. So there's plenty of people out there that want those conversations. Mm-hmm. There's just maybe not a whole lot of Christians that are willing to have those conversations, to go out and have those conversations, build the relationships that people know that, hey, I'm not being judged. This person knows me. Mm. Uh, we're friends. Like, how many Christians have lots of non-Christian friends? We mm. seem to have our holy huddles um, at church where we, we only get together with them. We yeah. don't have anybody else, any other connections outside of church. Yeah, it's a very real danger when Christians isolate themselves from the culture. You know, there's a reason Jesus said, go out and preach. He didn't say, stay in together and just talk to each other. I mean, don't get me wrong, Christians reinforce each other, and we we support each other, but... We're supposed to be engaging with the world around us. And the answer cannot be isolation and abandonment. You look at Jesus, and Jesus was out with the people, talking to them where they lived, where they worked, where they ate. And I think that's what we need to remember uh, to drive us. I agree. There's not nothing better than following his example um, than even modern-day preachers or pastors. Uh, I, I hate thinking that even myself or any other pastors would be um, such role models that people put us or, or any other type of church leadership above Jesus. Mm. Like, don't, don't look to me only. Like, obviously, I'm trying to do my best. Right. But follow Jesus and Absolutely. his example. And you're right. It, it, is that, um, it is that balance. You know, Paul writes, imitate me. Why? Because I'm imitating Christ. And so Paul reinforces that. Like, okay, leaders should be 
setting somewhat of a standard, but they're not the ultimate standard. Right. And I think that's a trap we fall into is we look at the people who are leaders and we stop there rather than saying, all right, this is a good godly person. What can I learn from them? But I need to recognize that they're not perfect. And I need to look at Christ as the ultimate example of who I'm to be. Yep. And he came to set people free. Mm. And he spent so much time with the black sheep, whatever you want to call it. Black sheep, the sinners, the less than, the yep. outcasts. The We've gone so far away from that. So far away from that. So to wrap up, what are your final thoughts on uh, this this information that we we have available to show that uh, non-Christians are open to faith conversations but don't know a whole lot of people that are willing to have those? Uh, one, be encouraged by that. I mean, the fact that non-Christians, that 62% of non-Christians are open to faith conversations, that's awesome, right? Like, take encouragement from that, because I think for a lot of Christians, there's this fear of nobody wants to talk to me about God, and so... I'm not going to ever think about it. So first and foremost, I love that 62% of the unchurched are open to these conversations. That gives me a huge amount of excitement. Um, And second, if you look at this and you think, you know what, I don't know how to talk to someone, one, pray about it, right? Like always start with prayer. Start with God, end with God, pray about it. If you realize, and there have been times where I've had to look at relationships in my life and say, man, I just need to stop looking at this person in any other way besides how God looks at them. And so take that to the Lord in prayer. Um, And then on a practical level, if you feel like you don't know the good questions to ask, right? We looked at the questions they want to be, or not the questions they want to be asked, but the fact that they want to be asked good questions and that they want someone with conversational skills. If you feel like you don't have that, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think a lot of people don't use the church body as a resource, right? Their view of the church kind of begins and ends with Sunday morning service. Um, I mean, I think of the different pastors I know, the different teachers I know, some of the guys on the elder board, you know, the elder board guys, the deacons. These are people who love God, and they love the world because that burdens their heart. And so go to your leadership and say, hey, how can I get better at these conversations? You know, I want to talk to my coworkers about God, but I don't know what to say. I would be shocked if if any leader would say, oh, well, too bad. I hope you figure it out. <laughs> like, we have to be willing to ask for help. Yeah, like that's part of uh, even church leadership and being a part of a congregation is that uh, we can lift each other up, encourage each mm-hmm. other, equip each other, because uh, we're all on the same team. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, I, I love these conversations. Uh, I hope to uh, even engage in some more of my own. Mm. Yeah, that's the prayer, right? Yes. Very cool. Well done. Thanks for joining me, Sam. Thanks for joining me. Thanks Thanks for letting me join you. Yeah, no problem, man. It was a good time. Always a good time. I, once I get something, I got it. Got it. You're seized on it. And I know what Turkins are. Good for you. I learned what Turkins are. <laughs> See ya.